we essentially run a native network on social media, different platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and Twitter. We reach about a billion or so total followers and about through about a thousand or so different partnerships and pages that we work with. So for example, we own and manage the account humor on Instagram. We call it the comedy central of Instagram. Uh, it's got 4 million followers. It posts memes, skits, it posts comedians, um, and then it posts advertisements for brands. We leverage that page that um, Bailey specifically built to connect with about a thousand or so others, like I said. So leveraging that page now, you know, we had brands coming to us saying, hey, I want to be promoted on that page. And we're like, well, hey, we can also connect you to all of our friends at the time um, and get them on those pages. But now that's really turned into a much bigger business where we say, hey, great. would love to connect you to 200 other pages and put you in front of, say, 100 million people. So mm-hmm. everything we do is on an IO, like media type basis where brands come to us and they say, hey, we want to do a meme campaign or we want to do a TikTok campaign or some other type of viral strategy. Maybe it's an Instagram lens and we want 50 million people to see it. And then we're going to say, connect them with the 30 or 40 pages that we need to include in that campaign and help them kind of with that creative content of what might go viral. And we're going to connect them and and, and kind of be that middleman for that campaign. Hello, business builders. Welcome to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we interview founders of America's fastest growing companies. Our mission is to arm you with the tools and the confidence to scale your own venture. So to that end, every now and then, we gladly welcome a non-founder leader, thinker, or influencer to help you do just that. I'm Drew McClure. My co-host is Jordan Mitchell, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, guys, welcome to the podcast. Today is a special episode. We have the, uh, the fun of interviewing someone that we consider almost like an honorable mention, where typically we're interviewing the founders of today's Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. But we also wanted to highlight those that are on track for that, that are younger in that stage, but still fast growing, doing amazing, innovating things, and kind of get our uh, insight into what's making them tick and how are they accomplishing this. Uh, earlier on in that stage. And so today, we are so uh, pumped to be joined by the guys from Scout Social. And uh, Shep, I'm going to start with you. Also, just a a little heads up to anyone listening. Today, uh, my co-pilot, Jordan, is not with us, but we have one of my other associates, Trevor, uh, who's going to be interviewing them with us. And we have Shep and Bailey here today. And so, Shep, I just wanted to start with you. Give me the, the series of events. If you back up just before you actually started this company, what were kind of those inciting incidents that caused you to have this idea and act on this idea? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to start that off and I'll kind of kick it over to Bailey because this has really kind of been his brainchild of, of what we've built here. So I was in college running more of a social media marketing type agency, working with about 40 or 50 different brands to manage their Instagrams, their Facebooks, et cetera, um, and, and really focusing on like content creation. And I built a business that they gave me the confidence to do that when I graduated. Mm. Bailey, who was a year younger than me, was doing these, essentially these type of meme activations and working with the brands at the time. Um, and I saw it as a really, really cool opportunity. So we essentially partnered on a project or two um, and we were able to make some money together. And we said, hey, you know, maybe this could be done in a bigger way. Maybe we should start Scout Social and really try to help you know, bridge brands to these types of partners on Instagram, these meme pages, these theme pages, and then also to, well, not at the time, TikTok influencers, but other type of influencers. Um, and, I, and I think how we sort of got in the space of meme marketing, viral marketing, um, and even now music marketing, I think we'll go better from, from Bailey's overall story. story. Bailey, if you want to kind of give your quick seven-year story or so. Perfect. Yeah. 
it depends how quick we want this to be because it can uh, it can take a while since it's the last seven years of my life. So uh, I guess y'all yeah. want just a quick version. Let's let's start there and then we can unpack as we go. Awesome. So um, about seven and a half years ago, I was in high school and I decided I wanted to start figuring out ways to make money. I didn't have an allowance at home. I did tours around the house, um, mowed the lawn, and my dad would pay me 10, 20 bucks for doing that. Um, I really wanted to figure out how to start making money so I could go, go to the movies on weekends. And um, I started building or I started selling stuff on eBay. I uh, made some money there. And I bought a random Twitter account on, on uh, Twitter with, I think, 90,000 followers. I started mm-hmm. figuring out how, ways how to start monetizing that with uh, cost per click ads. And just over time, I built up a network of about 15 million followers on Twitter and Instagram across various um, channels. And these were all themed channels um, in different niches um, and figured out different ways to monetize it with apps or brands or e-commerce stores. And um, that led me to um, continue it throughout college. I was making money, didn't really care about school as much. Um, I still did pretty well in school, but focused more on the business side. And then uh, me and Shepard got connected. Uh, I think it was my junior year of, of college my, in my spring semester. He was just about to graduate. And uh, he just wanted to connect it since he had his own marketing company. And we kind of ran some different ideas and he, he reached out to me and said, Hey, let's figure out a way to partner on something. Uh, we started making a little bit of money together and then uh, decided that we should kind of give it a full go and started a business together. Man. Okay. So both of you have what's fascinating to me, which is an early uh, indicator of entrepreneurship, right? Where to me, what really makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur is someone that just naturally sees that there could be a better way that they go through whatever else goes through and looks around and says, yeah, but what if we tried this? Or what if I shortcut the way this way or improved a system this way? Uh, how Was that always a part of uh, kind of your makeup? And was that something that you had to learn and develop as you go? What's that been like for you? Yeah, yeah I mean, I for, think, for me, I, go ahead, Bailey. I would say, yeah, that's um, always been something I guess I've, I've always tried to do. Um, I've always been fascinated, especially about money just growing up. And I was always trying to figure out ways to, to make money. And I guess it really all started out um, selling stuff on eBay. My mom said to me, Hey, I have, uh, your brother and sister's books from their high school classes. They're worth hundreds of dollars. And I don't know what to do with them. If you sell them to me, I'll give you a, a cut of it. And I was like, okay. So I started <laughs> figuring out how to, how to do that on eBay, listed everything, um, gave her the money, or I guess it all went to her and she gave me money from that. And I was like, Hey, I can just start buying stuff on, on eBay and, um, marking it up and just making money that way. And I think I made about $500 my first month, uh, doing that with Oakley sunglasses. Wow. Um, so I was just about figuring out different ways to hack and, and grow or make money. Um, there's a lot of different ways out there. And then I came across some people that were doing it on Twitter and I was like, Hey, they're making, I heard this kid in my school was making $2,000 a week on Twitter. I'm like, Hey, this kid can make $2,000 a week. I can make $50 a week and I'll be completely happy doing that. Wow. Um, so I took that $500 and reached out to about a hundred different Twitter pages. Say, Hey, I have $500. I want to buy your page. And uh, I sent some random person $500 on PayPal and he sent me the password to his Twitter account. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how that journey began. And it was a uh, very, very sketch. That's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, it, it worked out well. Yeah. Uh, Shep, what about you? Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I think the same way. Uh, my first like little venture was senior year of high school. I started a, an online arcade um, where I was getting a few thousand users to it. Yeah, just essentially what? using plugins from other video games. Um, thought it was cool. My brother started, whenever they were in high school, they started a Guitar Heroes website. They ended up getting like being the number one Guitar Heroes uh like discussion form essentially and they made some yeah. pretty good money on it so it kind of inspired me to do that um, i mean going into college i started my own 
leather phone case company. It was kind of a unique way of, of getting into it. I was in a fraternity and everything and I wanted to like find something that I thought they might like. So I found leather phone cases might be a cool way. Got it in about 15 or so different stores across the Georgia and Florida, um, as well as did some e-commerce stuff. And that really led me to learning about social media um, and how mm. to market that way. And that's whenever I started saying, Hey, I did this for myself. I can do this for you guys. And, and that's, yeah, that, that's kind of how I push things forward is just kind of bouncing off from one to the other. And, and then now, you know, ran scout social. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So the thing that sticks out to me for both of you guys is that you have a fundamentally different mindset than many, maybe many of us growing up did, which is there is 100% a way to make money. Right. Whereas yeah. some people, it seems like the most daunting thing in the world and we have to go through the safest avenues possible. Uh, and what you guys naturally had was that like, no, there's a way I can just go figure it out. Right. Uh, and then the second was you bet on your, your ability to figure it out. And that's the, that feels like a big part as well, that it's not even that I have it figured out, but I have the ability to go and figure it out and experiment and learn as I go. So let's go to you two meet up. You have this idea of kind of combining forces and starting Scout Social, where does it go from there? Where, how, does it, how does it actually launch, and, and what was it like at the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. So um, whenever we first started, we were both doing our own ventures. Uh, most of our time was both going to that at, at the time, just being this is a new and smaller venture. We got our first client. It was a company called um, Out of Tune. Out of Tune. It was a, it was a, yeah, it was, a, it was a trivia app, music trivia app. So we helped them essentially get downloads, find new users on social media. First thing they did was a $1,000 test for this. It was, it was super cool. We were like, wow, 1000 bucks, that was easy. Yeah. Uh, next week later, they're like, all right, we'll give you 5 k this week. And they started spending 5 k a week with us very, very regularly. Um, that's when we started realizing that, okay, we're, we're, we're kind of seeing an opportunity here to, to grow this thing and find other app clients specifically. So we were helping them, you know, build memes and go viral, but especially, you know, have like a way of tracking their downloads. You know, that, mm. that was something they were new to this space. So we were helping them get exposure, go viral. But then let's say, hey, all right, let's track what is this traffic looking like on the app store? And then how many downloads are actually going through the links that we're pushing? Um, and we did well with them. So we were able to work with them probably, I'd say, two or three months before the, uh, the company just never ended up having enough users, unfortunately. And they were trying to be like the HQ trivia of the time. But we you know, really kind of built our first like little initiative around that where we started reaching out to other people that were promoting apps, um, started reaching out to other brands. And I'd say uh, we started working with a few other partners that helped us bring other small companies that are spending, you know, one, two, three thousand dollars a week with us um, per client. And, and, you know, we're a media business. So whenever I say one thousand dollars a week at the time, you know, we, we weren't making that much off the top of that. We were putting right. most of that into the partners we were working with. So to really make sure we got good results for the clients. Um, so what, were our the, have, what were the results yeah. you guys were tracking? So if they gave you a thousand, two thousand, what were the results you were tracking? The amount of traffic they were getting to their site or how were you guys kind of guaranteeing results? Yeah. yeah. So for this, it was, you know, placements. So we were saying, all right, we're going to take a 20% fee on the top of this. We're just going to take out 200 bucks and then we're going to place you on these 20 different meme pages and we're going to track how many impressions are we getting and how many downloads are we getting? And then they can obviously track like, how are those users doing? But we're never, nothing we've done currently is built on a performance model. So everything we do is an impression model or a post model where we guarantee a, a thousand or, or so. Does that make gotcha. sense? Yep. Yep. So are you guys also creating the content and working on their branding and kind of copywriting or is that up to them and you're, you're the distribution, making sure it gets out to the world to be seen? 
we're the distribution. So we optimize this content where we'll turn it into a meme, but we actually don't go out there and create that content typically. If it's an uh, app, it's really easy. Um, such as TikTok that we work with, you know, we take funny TikTok videos and then we'll turn them into a meme and we'll promote them on Instagram pages or on Twitter pages or on Snapchat pages and try to make them go viral. Wow. Okay. So those yeah. early days, when were those early days? Are we talking about this year, two years ago, three years ago? This was 2018. Yeah. We, okay. we started the company in June of 2018 and we had our first official client um, in July of 2018. Um, and that was, it was a fun experience just trying to grow, grow that and see where that goes. I, I went and visited their office in New York city when I was there and they made me dance in their headquarters and, uh, because it was a dancing show and that was, that was an experience in itself with our first client. They making me sit there and dance because I'm a horrible dancer. So uh, <laughs> I did it to please the clients at the time. Not going to do that again. Yes. Okay. So as you look back at that initial getting off the ground phases, what would you say were the things you look back on? And you're like, man, so glad we did that. That was great wisdom, intuition, advice we took. And what were some of the things you're like, man, those are painful mistakes we had to, to kind of pay the cost and learn through the, the, the dummy tax, as we would say. Uh, what were those for you guys in that early stage? Um, uh, I can speak to a couple of those and I'll kind of speak a little bit more on our growth. Uh, the first one was we're, we have been doing everything manually for a really long time. So whenever we're working with now a thousand partners on Instagram and TikTok and, and whatnot, um, this was all going through Instagram DMs. Wow. So we're manually messaging all of them saying, Hey, are you interested in this? And then we would negotiate with them manually and, and everything like that. We're now, you know, we've automated most of our process for, we put out a full platform. If someone wants to be placed on 300 different large Instagram pages, we can automatically send them an offer. They can accept it or decline it. Um, we'll automatically send them the content. We'll measure that campaign, you know, through that platform and they'll turn in their results through that, through that platform. So all mm -hmm. of it's much more automated and it's something that for a long time we did manually. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably, you know, the thing that took us the longest is like, there's other ways of doing this and we can, we can speed things up if we just spend a little bit of time figuring out how essentially. Yeah. In terms of long time doing it, that's a, I did everything manually like that for uh, six years before I met Sheps. So Sheps the one that, uh, came and he's like, you can't be doing this all day. We can't be doing this, man. We got to figure out ways to automate it and make it better. So, uh, yes, if I had met him six years prior, it would have saved years off of my life. Probably. There you go. <laughs> Anything else come to come to mind for you, Bailey? Um, I mean, just from the beginning, I mean, um, there were a lot of growing pains just with clients, figuring out how to retain clients, how to kind of pitch them um, our services in an efficient manner. Because um, the one thing using kind of these community meme channels is a lot of people are kind of scared to use that kind of advertising. You know, it's the best way to reach millennials and Gen Z right now, uh, just because so many people follow them. So I guess just the, the learning curve of how to approach pitching clients and explain them what we're offering and who we're targeting and how we're targeting them um, has been just the best learning experience for us overall in the last two years. Uh, there's definitely a lot of learning curves from the beginning with clients that we pitched uh, that, that we did not close successfully, but then months on the line, we've actually closed some of the same clients that uh, we failed to the first time because we didn't know exactly how to do it the first time. So Yeah. Yeah, so what I'm curious is if you guys have what I like to call growth philosophy. Like, how do you guys think about growth? Is there any way, because there's a hundred ways to get somewhere, right? Yeah. And so we end up, whether we know it or not, choosing kind of a philosophy that if I bet on my employees, it'll end up serving the customers better. Or if I bend towards automation, it's better than manual. Like what for you guys, if you look at it, has been maybe a guiding growth philosophy for you that you've bet on again and again? Yeah. So this is kind of a, a 
two-pronged question, I guess. So we're really focused right now on automating the bulk of our work. We're getting better and better about that. But one issue in, in terms of our growth that we wish we would have done sooner, um, being a media business, we don't ever have consistent clients. We have grown every single month since we've started, but we've never known that we were going to do that. So for the last you know, 12, 18 months, we've, we've been careful to hire. We've been very slow on hiring. And now we're really ramping that up because we're seeing a lot of you know, more predictable growth. Um, but that's one of the areas that we wish we would have, we would have scaled up quicker and in terms of a growth mindset, like how can we hire said campaign coordinators to help us scale up this process? How can we hire a salesperson to scale up that process? Now we've kind of got all this stuff in place and we're just hiring a team at this point. Um, but that's been one of the areas that, that we're really focused on from a growth mindset is just actually growing out this team on top of the platform that we're constantly trying to, you know, make better essentially. Right. Oh, I love that. So I love that you keep mentioning the growth mindset uh, because what I wanted to ask you about next is more at the personal level. You know, for some people, the product is the problem, right? They have to keep working with the product, find the right product fit, uh, the idea, that kind of thing. For other people, what's equally challenging is the growth that you have to go through personally uh, to grow with your business, whether that's just even believing you, you could be sitting at that table in New York and dancing in front of them, right? Uh, or that, you know, people are going to find us out, the imposter syndrome. They're going to find out that we're young and we don't know what we're doing. Uh, we all have this internal thing that sometimes sabotages us. So I want to know from you guys, if you're cool talking about it, what has that personal growth been like for you? Where have you had to change your mindset? Maybe where have you had to grow internally uh, as your company grew externally? Yeah. Um, Bailey, you want to take that one or, or I can? Yeah, I mean, I mean growth internally, um, I guess the biggest thing is us being young, coming right out of college. Uh, I mean, um, I think our first three employees, I think I was the, the youngest one, including the employees. So I, we hired them while I was still in school. I hadn't graduated yet. So I think um, just from a growth mindset, it's just been trying to figure out uh, how to portray that to these employees that are hiring to get them to take the chance on us. Mm. Um, I think that's one thing that we've struggled with and I've, I've struggled with too, because it's kind of like um, I'm their boss, but at the same time I'm younger than them. So how, how do we portray that and have had that relationship? Um, it's also something that me and Shep have had to figure out too, because it's our first time hiring employees. Yeah. Uh, how do we build that team? How do we succeed? We've never had people under us. I mean, everything I've done myself has either been on a partnership basis or um, solely over the last seven years. So actually hiring a team under me, I've had, I had some friends that worked for me in high school, um, but I, I quickly cut them off because I don't like doing work with friends usually um, when I saw an opportunity. So just figuring out that internally growth, how I can grow as being, being as a leader and being, being a boss of, uh, to my employees um, I think that's been the biggest thing, just trying to figure out the best way to approach that because I didn't have experience doing that before. Sure. I've never worked on a, worked on like at, for a company that I've had people under me. Um, my only real job I've had in life is, is cleaning golf carts at the golf course. So uh, that doesn't prepare me for uh, being a boss and having people under me kind of growing the business that way. Um, totally so internally, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've had to go through. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, that, that's honestly the, the main thing too. I was going to say is, you know, Looking at everyone from just like I say, a friend standpoint, whenever you're trying to lead a company, it's not always the best thing. You know, you always have to continue realizing that you're their leader and you, you're trying to build a company and you want to have that mindset of we know what we're doing. So just making sure that, you know, we're always not just friends. We, we do have a very friendly culture in our company, but, but we are also, you know, we know what we're doing. You know, we're, we, have a, we have a vision and we're going forward. I think that's, you know, been one of the things that we've had to figure out exactly how to do. And when we first started hiring people, like Bailey said, they're the same age as us, you know, yes. Bailey is 23 and I'm 24 years old. So everyone is, you know, the same age as us, but 
as we've been doing this now for a couple of years, I, I think that's, that's okay. Um, I, before this call, I had six different interviews or so throughout this day um, of, of people that are hiring us. And now it's like, even though they're the same age, it, it's okay. You know, yeah. we're, we're both just focused on building something. And I think that's important. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. You know, there's that fine line of humility to know, Hey man, I'm your age or I'm 23 yet. We also have to own that confidence of, but that doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Or that yeah. doesn't mean that I don't, you know, that I'm not your boss or that I'm not the leader of this company and walking that line can be really challenging at times. Trevor, yeah. do you, do you no, absolutely. Yeah, guys. One of my questions is, and I would imagine that there are a, a number of young guys sitting in seats like uh, the ones you're sitting in where, you know, they're also either hiring or thinking about hiring guys uh, that are either their age or older. Um, what's some advice? Like what are some of the lessons that you've learned in um, hiring up, so to speak? Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. So um, we took on a partner pretty early on in our company who, who runs a, a larger agency here in town, about a 40 person, different 40 person agency. And he really helped us learn how to do that, learn how to hire. He also helped us with that hiring process. So whenever you, you, you look at, you know, just a bunch of young guys. Now we have an, let's say an established like growth mind and vision of our company. But when we first started, we didn't really have that. So we were just essentially trying to convince people to come hang out with me and Bailey and do some work for us, you know? Yes. But whenever we brought in our other partner, Kevin, you know, he really helped us kind of turn that more into a real interview and make them realize, okay, there is, there is a bigger picture here. This isn't just going to disappear in three months from now. So any advice I can give to a younger entrepreneur, like trying to grow their company and hire is, you know, talk to some older people, you know, see if, whether it's an advisor, whether it's just someone, you know, well, get them in on the interviews if you can, because it brings that like legitimacy to you. Um, but at the very least talk to other people and learn how to do those interviews instead of just, you know, hanging out with someone in an interview, because that's not how it should be done. And that's, that was kind of how our first few interviews were done. Oh man. I love that. Yeah. Several uh, almost all of the interviews we've uh, had so far with founders all had the same kind of answer that they all had a part of their story, critical uh, advisors, mentors, coaches, people that came along and really helped them keep getting through plateaus, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and understand the structure they needed to add or the, the right advice at the right time that kind of sparked stuff. Uh, so that's my question for you. It sounds like with Kevin, that's one. Uh, whether you know them or it could be virtual, you know, we learn from people from their podcasts or from their books or whatever, who have been big kind of influences and mentors for you. And what has that meant for you guys as a business? Yeah, I guess in terms of mentors and people that have given me advice, I mean, there's a couple of people that come to mind. My dad's one. Um, my dad owns part of a, a lumber company in, in Georgia. Um, and he's always just been uh, a leader in his business and he's had to do the hiring, the firing, and just growth of the business. He, he led one company, uh, he was the VP that they sold to Home Depot back in 2007. Um, and now he's he's the CEO of, of a lumber company down in Georgia. And he's just been a mentor through me throughout the years and just encouraging me to go for it and uh, kind of give my shot. But also at the same time, like, be a, you got to be a boss. And same with, like, the firing process. We've had to go through that too. And I would just call him up for advice. And you guys just got to do it. It's hard, but you just got to do it. Um, mm. And just keep pushing forward through the bad months. Through the, I mean, he, he went through the 08, 09 recession with the lumber industry. And he's like, there's horrible times in your life, horrible times in business. You just got to keep going. So yeah. uh, he's been one, one big one. And then um, another one was uh, a teacher at the University of Georgia. He was the ex-CEO of um, EvoShield uh, before they sold to Wilson. And he's just been a mentor. I uh, can always reach out to him for advice. And he always gives good input. Uh, I used to call him all the time. And 
he's also helped us a lot with the hiring process, getting our word out to the, uh, the students at the University of Georgia. So uh, those are two of the biggest ones, I guess, of the last few years for me. Heck yeah. What about you, Shep? Yeah, absolutely. So I agree with Bailey. Um, where I also grew up in a family that my dad was an entrepreneur and owned mo- multiple like small town businesses. And, and it's always been something that's inspired me since I was young. I got to talk about business with him. Um, and I think that really helped me learn, you know, everything mm. that I was doing, or at least have the confidence to figure it out. And then, you know, kind of, kind of pushing, pushing past that a little bit. I, I think I started watching a lot of different successful entrepreneurs on YouTube videos, you know, their case studies, their pitches, um, watched a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, um, and, and people like that, some of the, the, the more well-known entrepreneurs and, and right. learned a lot from them, but we really just learned that it, that it would take a lot to build a company. Um, and then I kind of found more people like Kevin who would help just advise someone that I could call whenever I need that. And now, you know, we always try to find ourselves new partners that in each and every area, whether it be the music business, that's our fastest growing area, or whether it just be working with bigger brands, we, we have people that we can call, um, Mm. to kind of go through this. And then my last one is, you know, saying even, even Bailey, right. It's been great where both of us started a company by ourselves, um, two separate companies, but now it's awesome. Anytime we ever have a problem, I can at least call Bailey and we can go through this together. I think that's mm. super important for someone to have someone to rely on uh, whenever they're trying to build a business and trying to figure something out because between the two of us, we can typically come up with something. Yes. Oh man, I love that. Yeah, that's big for us. Our, you know, our business, Mitchell McClure, I'm McClure and my best friend is Mitchell. And mm-hmm. that was... That was our things. We both had separate con- coaching and consulting practices in business. And we're like, man, it can only have an exponential effect if we do this together. And the emotional part wasn't the part we anticipated, but it's been maybe the biggest payoff is that belief, like together we'll figure something out. You know, literally COVID hit. And we were like calling each other like, well, what are we going to do? And <laughs> there was no real freak out because it was like, together we're going to figure this out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, anticipate, we do the same thing with people going like, if you ever have the opportunity for team, do team. And that's what I love that you guys are doing because there's a difference in being like selling the service or doing the service versus building the business that sells the service. Mm. Absolutely. Right? So there's a difference in being a baker and owning a bakery. And you guys so are going to uh, some e-myth right there. There's some e-myth revisited. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And that was the big thing for me. Like I've always been used to being the thing, the guy that would keynote speak or the guy that would be hired to coach. But now we're owning a coaching company, Mm -hmm. right? You literally put on a different hat. You have to answer new questions. You have to grow new skills. So for you guys, going from being the guys that knew how to hustle, knew how to DM people, to now you're hiring a team. We already talked about hiring. Like what were some of the learning curves that went from being the baker to owning the bakery? Yeah, Um, um, go for it, Bailey. I guess one of the biggest things is um, from that point, I guess, being the baker to owning the bakery is uh, I used to, I guess, back when I did everything to myself, I was kind of like at the baker and I was letting people sell my services and I run it for them. So I was just being white labeled out. And one thing that kind of changed my perspective on everything was at one point I had about 17 channels on Twitter. And when you build these communities on different social platforms, you're playing with, with their uh, real estate. You don't own it. Twitter does, Instagram does. Uh, so overnight, I lost two thirds of my network. Um, on Twitter, I lost six figures in revenue, um, year and yearly revenue, um, overnight wow. just because Twitter, Twitter wiped out a lot of these different community channels uh, about three years ago. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing was instead of me being the baker, I was building the bakery with Shep 
where no matter whether Twitter wipes out known channels, we also, we have tons of other partners where we also work on different platforms. So mm. um, one segment doesn't wipe our entire business out. So thankfully at the time I had other stuff besides just Twitter. I had stuff on Instagram, Snapchat, and other platforms. Um, but I do know a lot of people who just were the, the baker on Twitter, just selling their services on, on Twitter. People would white label out and they got wiped out overnight and they didn't have any, any other assets. So uh, wow. I think that was one thing that, that I was thinking for was I was, I was diversified and, um, and, and building scout. I'm now the bakery that sells the services I, I did before at the baker, but, um, man, now I that, can't get wiped out overnight. So that's some Gary V advice right there. I remember he was one of the first people. <laughs> talking about like getting overly comfortable to, with success on one platform. They're like, I was, what I, was, they... I was very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, oh, that's awesome. I love that. Chef, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. Um, repeat the question for me one more time. If you don't yeah. Mind. The growth learning curve going from that being the baker to own the bakery. Now you've got a, the business owner hat on. What were some of those learning yeah. curves? Hiring was one of them, but what were some yeah. of those other learning curves you guys had to go through? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I really think it comes down to letting go, right? Like that, that, that's one area that, that I think we both struggled with a bit and we're constantly getting better at is like, how can we just let go and trust someone to do this? And as you find those right people or you try and find that right software, it becomes a lot easier. And for us, you know, with our growth, we've had to rely on people. Um, Sam, she's our head of campaigns right now and she has absolutely just came up and, and has crushed it. You know, the first, I'd say the first six, six to nine months, we didn't really give her as much responsibility as we should have and then let, mm. let go and, and gave to her. Um, and then Bailey, you know, who really heads up, heads up our entire campaign operations. Um, he was gone. He was in, where were you Bailey? The Dominican or somewhere? Grand Caymans. Yeah. Grand Caymans. So he, so he, he was Getting his a- offshore <laughs> banking set up. I, I see yeah. you. Exactly. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> yes. So he was gone. He was gone for, I think it was just like four or five days, but we got hit with some last minute campaigns and I was, it was Valentine's day weekend too. So I I was also gone and Sam just said, I got it. Um, and just completely took and owned the campaign, even though she'd never done it before. I mean, she was definitely stressed out, but you know, she just took it and she crushed it. And the next thing you know, now three months later, she is talking directly to almost every single one of our clients completely from the ground up running their campaigns, um, selling things, you know, putting together campaigns for them, putting together strategies for them and managing those accounts and growing those accounts. Wow. Um, So that's been, you know, just letting go and letting someone else take that. And I think her taking it from us really made us realize just how important it is for us to continue doing that. Wow. Yeah, man, we've seen two, two major hurdles to plateaus and businesses and you're touching on one of them. But one would be, you know, I heard an interview with, um, if you ever heard, read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was an interview with Rich Dad, the guy that was the mentor that taught him how to, you know, really be wealthy. And he said he believes 90 something percent of problems come from not having A players on your team. That if you just had better caliber on your team, you wouldn't even have those problems in the first place. But then for us, we've seen the opposite where you actually have A players on your team, but fear and control issues keep you from trusting those people. And yeah. so they could take the ball and run with it, but you're so used to delivering the result yourself that it feels really scary to pass that off and they might do it a different way or they might have a learning curve. And that's where it really takes that trust that we call it, ele- it delegate to elevate. It's EOS language if you're f- familiar with that, but you have to delegate so that you can elevate into your unique ability. And if you're going to keep mm-hmm. growing with the company, you have to keep offloading what somebody else could do equal or better to you so that you can do what only you can do, Right. And that sounds like something you guys have started to do to build your team, uh, which is brilliant. And obviously a key to you guys' success scaling wise. Trevor, do you have a question? 
Yeah, yeah, I think we've uh, we've kind of hit on a lot of some of the challenges that you may have had to kind of overcome and and the growth the growth curve of being young guys. But I'm curious, uh, as a young guy myself, what are some advantages that you guys feel like you have in your in your toolkit mm. just because you are younger than a lot of your competitors? Yeah, I can speak to that one. So you know, whenever we first started whenever we first got going, it wasn't necessarily an advantage to be young. Um, you know, we, we definitely had to kind of fight that, that like, Hey, we still know what we're talking about at this point. We've thankfully, we, we get to work with some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, and we're constantly growing. And now we also have a team. So now it's kind of like, we're the young guys that, that get social because we were raised on social. You know yep. what I mean? Like we are the, we, like, both Bailey and I, I'm, I'm like on that cusp of Gen Z slash millennial. Bailey is definitely a Gen Z. And so like whatever we're saying, like we're marketing to people our age. We know what works. Um, Bailey, for example, I've built memes my entire life. I know what works. So us being able to say that we really understand that the form of marketing that we do has helped us dramatically that, you know, we get to talk to 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds even. Um, and they just trust us because sure. they don't know. They don't know about TikTok. Um, and they just let us, you know, kind of, kind of take, take the rain on it. And as soon as we provide some results, that just helps us even more in terms of gaining that trust. Bailey, have you seen the same thing? Yeah, I'd say um, we kind of, at the beginning, we are kind of scared, timid because we were young, um, talking to these older people. But I think that's an advantage now just because um, we're using Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, these platforms that our, our age groups are, are using and younger. And if we were a bit older, they might not trust us in knowing that we know how to use these platforms. But um, we're using that our age to an advantage there because we know how these platforms work. We use them daily. Our friends use them daily. So uh, we get tips from them that people send us memes all the time that we use in our own advertising that we're like, Oh, this is a good format. Let's try this out. So um, I think age is, is definitely beneficial in this factor just because it's social media and um, majority of young people are on social media. So heck yeah. All right. Well, before we get into our lightning round questions with you guys, uh, I want to just end with this. Where are you currently? So we heard your origin story. What's the size of the team? What's the scope of the organization now? And then what's the villain, the vision, not the villain, sorry. That's another question. Uh, <laughs> what's the vision that you are compelled by, that you're excited by, that you're telling your team, here's where we're going? Yeah. So we've got a team of about nine right now in Atlanta. Um, and then we got a team of about four or so, full, part of full-time remote workers overseas. Um, so a team of about 12, 13 total, hiring about three to four roles right now here in Atlanta. Okay. Um, and our, our big goal, honestly, is to become the next entertainment media company, uh, you know, nationwide, but especially built right here in Atlanta. You know, Atlanta is such a growing hub for media, for entertainment, for film, for music, um, even for some, some tech and consumer companies. Um, not as much there, but, but it is growing. And, and it, that excites us because we, kinda, we can kind of, you know, shine the light on this area. But we can also get a lot of the top talent from this area because a lot mm -hmm. of people, you know, leave and go to L.A. or leave and go to New York. Um, but the ones that stay are still looking for awesome opportunities. And I think we're kind of offering them that. So, you know, the, the, our five, 10 year vision is definitely to continue building out our own assets, continue working with some of the coolest and, and, and biggest media and entertainment companies in the world. Um, and then become one ourselves. That, that's our, our big vision, I'd say. And Bailey, you can add to that as well. Yeah. Like, just like Chef said, trying to become more of a, a bigger entertainment company. We're building out different media initiatives. Um, we dropped an interview series YouTube show last week called Excuse Me What? Um, go check it out on Instagram. Excuse yes. me, the show. Um, but we're building out different media initiatives like that. If that works, then we're going to turn humor more into the Comedy Central. And we're going to have different shows um, airing on that, whether we have a talent show, we have an interview show, and just come up with different fun ideas 
uh, bringing people together in social, but entertaining them in that aspect and figuring out different ways to monetize them with merch and um, other avenues. So um, our goal is just to build different media assets like that and connect with people, engage people and entertain them um, on these various platforms. I love it. So that's one thing I'm super excited about. So. You guys seem positioned to do that. So that's a, that's exciting. That's a, a real, but stretch goal. Uh, and I love that. So what uh, my last question would just be um, who, if someone's listening to this, that would be an ideal, ideal client to work with you, who would that person be? And then just in general, where can we point people uh, to connect with you guys, social media, your website, what's the best place for people to learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say, you know, ideal client for us would be Quibi right now, right? Quibi is one of those companies. Are you guys familiar with Quibi? Yeah. Yeah. So Quibi is a quick bite, right? It's, it's a, it's a short, you know, Netflix essentially where all vertical videos and also horizontal videos on the phone, um, they're trying to make a big splash for like our generation. I know they were, they were unfortunately hit by Corona pretty hard because their whole like model is built around traveling and on the go, you know, watching a quick short clip of, of your favorite show. Um, but now everyone's at home. So why not just watch Netflix? Right. But right. I still think, you know, a lot of their content we've been watching and then studying it ourselves. A lot of our content or their content can be repurposed to really go viral in, in this meme space and start becoming like the culture topic of our generation. You know, a lot of it could be built around that and they would be an ideal client for us because as we move more towards this, you know, this media and entertainment world, um, right now we primarily work with most of the record labels. Um, the entire movie and television industry is something that hasn't, I don't think, tested our type of marketing enough yet. And it's something mm -hmm. that should be done. You know, we look at memes and TikTok as like culture. Like it is culture. If something is happening in culture, it's talked about in memes. Right. If you're not being talked about in memes, you're probably not as relevant as you should be to our generation. So helping these brands realize that one, they need to be talked about by memes and two, helping them actually be talked about because we know how to see that out there and get people talking about it. Wow. I love that. All right. So where do we, where, where would people go to, to connect with you guys and learn more about what you're doing? Uh, scoutsocial.co would probably be the best way. We may rebrand at some point um, as we work on some new initiatives that are a bit sure. under the table, under the table right now, but scoutsocial.co or at Grady on Instagram for Bailey, G-R-A-D-Y, or Shep Ogden on Instagram, S-H-E-P-O-G-D-E-N. Awesome. All right, Trevor, give us those uh, lightning round questions. Yeah, you guys have done that before, uh, by the way. I think if I were to spell out my own name, I'd probably spell it wrong. Um, <laughs> but last five questions, guys. Uh, number one, if you could ingrain one message in your entire organization, what would that message be? I'd say never stop growing. I think that's one of the big things for us is, is really focus on constantly moving forward. Like I said with Sam, you know, she just took that initiative and said, I got this campaign, I'll do it. And ever since that happened, we've given her so much more responsibility, so much more opportunity to grow. And it's continued to push forward our entire company. If everyone has a growth mindset at our company, the entire company will grow. We don't necessarily say a hustle mindset. You know, we don't want people thinking they need to work 90 hours a week. We want people focused on, growth and what is sustainable growth. And that, that's, you know, probably that, that number one thing that I would ingrain in, my, in our organization as we continue to grow. Well, one thing I would, I guess, ingrain is uh, don't be afraid of failure. Um, you're going to fail a lot and you're just going to learn from it. So don't be afraid to take that chance or take that leap or um, just go for it. So um, I guess that's probably a message I would ingrain just because me and Chapa have failed numerous times over the years and you just got to get back up and keep pushing forward. 
not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to fail in business. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, guys. I'm trying to get on your comedy page, really. Um, <laughs> all right, second question is – I'm doing a bad job. Second question is uh, we actually snuck two in here, so it's a two-parter. Uh, what's the single best advice you've ever gotten uh, about growing your business? And then the second part to that is what is the worst advice you've ever gotten? So some of the most recent format advice that we've gotten, and I love it, and we're, we're very much focused on it right now, is we were looking at raising a, quite a large round of, amount of capital at some point earlier this year. And we have, thankfully, we bootstrapped this entire company. We've been profitable since day one, and we didn't necessarily need to raise that capital. And someone said, why are you raising capital? And we said, well, because we want to connect with these brands. And they said, well, focus on revenue-generating partnerships. Instead of trying to get money from these people, go to them and say, hey, this is how we can make money together. And now we are talking to some of the biggest celebrities in, in the world, as well as some of the biggest companies in the world about partnerships that we can do together, leveraging what we know how to do and they can make money on top of where wow. we don't need their money to invest into us. We can just work together on this specific project and we still get to use their name, partner with them, you know, their Rolodex, et cetera. That's some good advice yeah. right there. Best advice on my side, um, basically the same as, as number one is just go for it. Don't be afraid of failure. Um, my, my dad, especially over the years has, has encouraged me when I failed and not succeed at some, certain stuff I wanted to. I uh, just keep pushing. So I think that's probably the best advice I've seen because you're going to fail numerous times of your lifetime and you just can't let that get you down. You just got to keep going forward. So um, on the best advice side, I said that that would be that point. Um, and I guess coming to worst advice, I, I can't remember a time I've gotten quote unquote the worst advice in the world, uh, but there have been some, I guess, negative comments that have kind of stuck with me over the years. And I guess I've kind of fallen in that same category. It's just people over the years that I guess growing up, people would say, Oh, you're just running Twitter accounts. or this isn't a legit business. And, uh, that's kind of just pushed me and drive me to make the legit business and growing it now team of 14 with including our part-time workers. So, uh, I guess that kind of just pushed me to get to that point. And now I can laugh at those comments back then where people said, Hey, you're not a legit business. And now we're doing seven figures in revenue a year and I have a team of 14 under me. So. Heck um, yeah. I that love brilliant. Hey, Shep, I want, flex. Shep, I want to give an, a, 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 an addendum to that question. Uh, so not worst advice you've received personally but that you see often given just in general, let's say in entrepreneurship or social media, you can pick either one because uh, everyone's out there. Got, got I, got I got to, I got to chime in on that. Uh, one chef's done though. Yeah. Give it. Yeah. Come I've, on. I've got a good one on social media specifically. One of the worst things is content is everything. Content is not everything. Um, content is huge, but you have to have a way of getting it out there. And that is absolutely massive, something that we've learned or, or that we've really known from the get-go is like so many people focus so much time on building out this great content, but they don't really have any distribution channels. So us, that's what we've built our company around is getting that content out there, distributing it in a big way. Um, but also, you know, when we look at our own things, we, we want to make sure that we get it out there in a big way. So anyone focusing on content, I think focusing just as much on how they're going to get that message out there is probably just as important. And keeping in mind, content is also important, but it's one piece of the pie. Yeah, Bailey, what about you? Come on, Bailey, you're the, excited. The, the, the worst advice I've seen is uh, this is a shot at all the e-com gurus out there, but uh, the guys that sell Shopify courses promising you're going to make $100,000 a month off it, uh, that's the worst advice in the world. You don't need to buy their course to be successful. You can learn on YouTube for, for e-com. You just got to give it a shot. I mean, I have, I have multiple e-com stores that did in the past that we did anywhere from 20 to 40 K in revenue a month. And uh, I never took a course. So you just gotta, you just gotta learn. 
Um, so that's a shot, I guess, at all the gurus selling e-com courses. Sorry, come on. This. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any favorite free YouTube people that are teaching e-com courses? Uh, I don't have any favorite ones. I mean, um, I just would always Google when I was doing it how to set up a Shopify site, the best different stuff to add to it, and uh, just yeah. have different partners that help me along the way. So um, I think if you Google what you need, um, the questions you have, you'll find stuff on there for uh, for that kind of stuff. I mean, YouTube's um, a world of free stuff out there. So there's definitely good mentors and good people you need to pay for stuff. Um, but um, some some stuff like the e-com stuff, I think uh, you can find partners that would be better fit than uh, paying for e-com course. I love it. I love, it. I love the passion <laughs> behind that answer. I got two more questions. Uh, this first one, just being completely candid, what is the secret fear that keeps you up at night? And this could be personal, um, but I'd be really interested to know what this is professionally for you guys. Um, for me, and, and I'm honestly assuming this is similar for Bailey too, uh, but I'll let him speak to that, but is the fact that a lot of what we do, we don't have control over. Um, so most of what our company is built on is on other people's platforms, it's on other people's real estate, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, even now TikTok. Um, like Bailey said, we've diversified because we're on multiple platforms, but the reality of it is, is like algorithm changes or, you know, um, accounts being banned. Like Bailey said, a long time ago on Twitter, hundreds of accounts were just disabled overnight on Instagram a year and a half ago on Christmas day, hundreds of accounts were banned that day. And things like that happening, it's completely out of our control. And it could, you know, if, if the right amount of things happened all at once, could, could decimate a lot of what we built. Um, and that's why we kind of focus on, you know, building more things on, like, like I said, more platforms, but also try to get that off platform to, let's say, an email service or like email subscriber list and, and things like that, that is a bit more, quote unquote, like ownable. I'd say that's the biggest thing for me too, just because um, I had that experience. I mean, I lost a significant number of Twitter accounts overnight. And that was a big chunk of my revenue um, at that time. So I guess just figuring out that, and I guess another fear is just, is just failure. Um, failures, I guess it's a good thing to be mindful of. I, I don't let it keep me up at night, I guess, but at the same time, it's, it kind of just drives me. So I, I don't want to ever fail. Um, so figuring out different ways to succeed is, is I guess. So um, yeah, failure, failure is scary, but at the same time it, it grows. So um, it can't keep me up at night, I guess. Yeah. Guys, and then we'll end with this. Almost contrary to that, what are the, the dream results that you're driving towards every day? Yeah, I, I really do think it goes back to, you know, building the next form of media and entertainment right here in Atlanta. That, that really is our big goal. Um, you know, we want to have hundreds of people um, employed, all building out some of the, you know, most creative content and media assets in the world. You know, like our goal is to, you know, inspire and entertain the world. Um, so any way that we can do that, whether it be through, you know, a new meme account or a interview series or something even more elaborate um, that we might be working on, you know, there's a lot, a lot of cool things to do. And that's, that's where our goal is just continue being innovative and, and launching things like that. Yeah, it's definitely the dream is, is building a cool team to build all these different media initiatives and growing them and seeing them succeed is, is the biggest thing. And just having um, a lot of good people along the way, helping us achieve those dreams and goals and, um, having a lot of fun along the way too, meeting cool people, going to cool places and, um, doing some cool stuff. So uh, the dream is just building a, a giant media company, like Shep said, and entertaining the world. So. Heck yeah. Well guys, thank you so much for your time. The two of you are inspiring. You're hardworking. You're obviously brilliant. Uh, and man, what I love about what you've done though, is it is rep, uh, replicatable that if people 
find that thing that they, you know, have a unique ability in. They find a way to monetize it, to be of service, especially what you guys are doing is not stealing money from people through some gimmick, right? But you actually yeah. found something that people want to pay for. And to me, that's the most sustainable business. That's not getting tricked into buying something, but saying, listen, we're a partner of yours and we are helping you accomplish your goals. And so it's a win-win. And you two have clearly built a business like that. So all the best to you guys listening, girls listening, go check out scoutsocial.co. And uh, wham, we can't wait to see uh, where this company goes and how, how high it can go. So uh, thanks for being on the show today, guys. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Head to 0to5000.com for exclusive tools to grow your business. That's Z-E-R-O-T-O-5000.com.